the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. Hi, welcome to episode 109 of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. Raptors are rolling. They're steamrolling this week, but in fairness, we have to acknowledge that they're not facing that tough of competition so there's that but joining me to discuss all things toronto raptors today is hunter surplus of take six hunter what's going on man oh, i'm doing good dude right now i'm looking out my window to a whole bunch of snow coming down what is that yeah. what is up with that i don't know i wish i didn't have to talk about it right now but uh we do it's march 3rd and it's snowing and that's march 31st march 31st sorry <laughs> it feels like it's march 3rd with the snow but yeah i don't know man it's absolutely horrible i thought yeah. i was done with this cold weather shit but. I, th- I think everybody thought so too it was all right so yesterday um here in rhode island i wake up it's beautiful man so like i, I did the the celsius to fahrenheit conversion yesterday here was 15 celsius it's perfect it was perfect man yeah so um, so yeah, I wake up 15 degrees Celsius. It's beautiful. And instead of just going for walks and enjoying the day, I decided to do, decided to do dad things. And I'm just like, maybe I'll clean the gutters. Maybe I'll hop on the roof and clean the gutters. And you know, that sort of kicked off everything. And at that point I was just like, oh, maybe I'll just rake the front yard. And so <laughs> instead of enjoying the beautiful day, it turned into just doing yard work and that's very responsible of you. I have to do it, man, because yeah. if, if I don't do it, then the leaves are going to get all rotted. The yard's going to get rotted. I sound like such a fucking idiot right now. But <laughs> it, it's just like, you know, I, I felt like a dad this morning. I made a co- uh, pot of coffee, have the mug in one hand. I go outside, stare at my my hard work with my left hand on my hip, take a sip and nice little nod to my front yard. So that's where I'm at right now. Whereas you, you got snow. So sucks for you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like last night I went to a, a little, like a birthday party. My mm-hmm. friend uh, turned 21. So nice. we were, and we got, uh, we got a drive from my girlfriend's brother to the party. And like, it was, it was raining earlier in the day. And, you know, we had a, we had a couple of drinks before getting the drive over and we get I get out of the car and I'm like, holy shit, dude, like this is like freezing rain on the verge of snow. And like, I didn't, I didn't look at the weather yesterday. So I didn't know that it was supposed to snow. And I was like, dude, it is going to fucking snow tonight and there's nothing we can do about it. Right. And it did. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what happened. I saw the pictures. People are posting them all over Twitter and I feel bad, man. Like it does suck. I, I, I hope for your sake, this is the last one of the season, right? Cause obviously you can't say last one of the year because 2019 hasn't even halfway gone, but you know, it's, it's just weird knowing that playoff basketball is right around the corner. Blue Jays are in full swing. Yeah. That's and what I you, have, like, you, yeah. you have snow. Yeah. It's yeah. Not good. So, no. Hey, I, look, the, maybe this will, maybe this will turn into a huge April Fool's day joke, right? So tomorrow <laughs> it might be super nice, maybe 15 up there and everything will melt away and you'll be good to go. Yeah. You're making, Hey, your positive outlook is making me smile right now. Dude. That's just what. <laughs> Let's just hope Kawhi doesn't look outside today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He oh, did say snow is beautiful though, so he did. Yeah. Let's yeah. just maybe he's not. Uh, I guess the 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 rumor is is that he's in Toronto for the birth of his child, or maybe they're not. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know what the 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 legitimacy of that rumor is, but apparently he 
was out last night for personal. We're recording this Sunday. Uh, mid, well, I can't say afternoon. We're recording this before the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah. So apparently the uh, the rumor is is that he sat out because of the birth of his child, or his second child. I'm not sure how how much credence we can lend towards that. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You want to talk Raptors? Absolutely, I want to talk Raptors. Get your mind off of the snow real yes, quick. Yes, please. All right, all right. Please. Well, since a gut-wrenching loss to the Hornets, right, in dramatic fashion, the Raptors have sort of had an easy week, as I mentioned. Um, they faced the Bulls twice and the Knicks once in between, winning all three handedly. Uh, the rest of the schedule isn't that daunting at all, with only five games remaining. Their toughest opponent on paper is the Nets, unless you want to couple Charlotte in that mix again. Um, regardless, they stand second in the Eastern Conference with a record of 54-23. and 23. They're f- uh, three and a half games behind the Bucks, so with only five games remaining, we can probably stop this, it's still possible, game of the Raptors reaching the first seed. They aren't. But that being said... Again, with only five games left, how are you feeling about this team heading into the playoffs? I feel great. Like I've said this many different times that the Raptors are actually the best team in the East. If Kawhi Leonard plays, you know, those 20 games that he didn't, even if he plays 10 of those games that he didn't play, if Lowry doesn't miss time and he doesn't have that funky, well, how many games are like five or six games where he just couldn't shoot the ball? Mm -hmm. um, This team is by far leaps and bounds ahead of the Bucks, and it is a totally different conversation going into this playoffs. It's not, oh, Giannis is going to finally make it out of the East. He's finally going to win a playoff round. It's going to be, yeah, this Raptors team's legit. Kawhi Leonard makes this team so much better, and they're probably going to make the finals. And they're, I mean, they're getting a little bit of respect uh, this past week. People are saying that maybe they are the team that has the best chance at overtaking the Warriors, or at least pushing them the hardest. And that's kind of cool to hear, but it, if you look at this team throughout the entire season, they have been the best and like not it's hard to say the most consistent because Milwaukee has been at the top for the entire season and has played so well this entire season. But the Raptors are right there with them. And if Kawhi Leonard plays an extra 10 games, it's like just the consistency and the chemistry that would be had even in those games that they've lost with him playing, I think I think it's a totally different story and and people are scared of this team. I think you uh, echo a lot of the sentiments of Toronto Raptors fans out there. I think there is a lot of confidence heading into the postseason with this team in comparison to seasons prior. However, you know, speaking of seasons prior, I had this same sort of positive and optimistic outlook. Uh, as you have now, last year. Um, last year, I, you know, first seed, almost 60 wins, even if it's 59, whatever. Um, I had a lot of hope that they could take down LeBron and head to the finals. Never I, at that point did I think that the Raptors ever had a chance as much as I did last year. And then, you know, reality set in. Now, I know we're not facing LeBron this year. That factor is gone, and you know, people like to underscore that that's a huge factor and I I don't want to take anything away from this team but having perhaps the best player in all the NBA outside of your conference is a big deal Um, again they've accomplished a lot they've proven a lot this this season specifically if we're you know looking back in the calendar uh, December 12th was probably the biggest win of the year 
and that was without Kawhi in Golden State. So having said all of this, is there any sense of trepidation that you have with this team heading into the playoffs? I know you you sounded super confident, right? And you you acknowledge that they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. But as a Raptors fan, don't you have that slight hint of hesitation that, I don't know, man, something is destined to go wrong with this team? Yeah, I think that's always going to be there, like for a Raptors fan, uh, until they, you know, game seven of the of the finals when they're up by five with, you know, 30 seconds left. It's going to be there, right? And even then, everything could go wrong, right? Um, but no, like... In years past, especially last year, like you kind of alluded to, their bench was the thing that drove them and what was what kind of stood them or like where they stood out from like the rest of the pack. And as everybody knows, and especially Raptors fans from last year, the bench isn't what wins you playoff series. It's not what wins against the best teams and the best players. It's having the best guy on the court when it matters the most. And in most playoff series, like probably every series except for the Warriors, the Bucks, and like we probably won't play them, but the Rockets, I think Kawhi Leonard is going to be the best guy on the court in any given game. He hasn't played 38 to 40 minutes, which he will be playing in the playoffs, presumably. And the bench isn't going to have as big of a role. And we're not going to have those games where the bench is the reason why we lose or a matchup is the reason why we lose because no matter what, you can put our best guy on whoever their best guy is, like unless it's Joel Embiid. And that's that's where I see a difference with this team. And that's where my confidence comes from mostly is that we are going to have the best guy in the series, almost any series. And we are going to have the best starting unit probably in any series except for the Warriors. But that's like a totally <laughs> different story. That's not even, yeah. Yeah. Are we confident that Let's assume that the Raptors make it all the way to the finals. Are we in a position where we're confident that it's going to be against the Warriors? Because you see the competition in the West, right? I I still don't discount OKC. I have a feeling OKC has a sneaky shot to make it all the way to the finals. But you mentioned Houston. They are pretty favored to get there. Um, I'm not sure about Denver. Maybe Denver can do it. But I don't know that this is a lock that Golden State's going to get there. However, they do have a tendency to flip a switch come playoff time and just steamroll teams, you know, in each round that they face them. So do you get the sense that maybe it's not a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are going to make it over the way to the finals? Or are you, you know, let's not get ourselves. It's going to be the Warriors. Yeah, it's tough to see this year especially with the whole DeMarcus Cousins thing happening in the offseason. It's hard to not see them in the NBA Finals with the roster that they have. But obviously, you know, Steph Curry's had injury history, um, especially in the playoffs. So if that happens in in a first round or second round matchup, maybe they get bounced in the conference finals. But barring any injuries, like even if they do have the worst of chemistry issues, if these guys just don't talk to each other and don't pass the ball to KD or whatever it might be in terms of chemistry issues. I think they can still win just about any series based on pure talent. Steph Curry can go for 40 any given night. Durant can go for 50, 60 if he really wants to. Klay Thompson can go for 60. Draymond Green, I'm assuming will play better. I'm not confident about that, but 
I'm assuming he will flip a switch. And then obviously if Boogie Cousins is anything close to what he was before the injury, which it hasn't looked like he has been, but maybe he's just kind of putting it into, he's putting it into rest mode for the playoffs. And I think the team's just too scary and they have too many weapons to, to lose a full series, like losing four out of seven games. I, it's hard to see them do that. I don't. Yeah, I agree. I just think that when it comes to the Raptors, this is definitely a year that we can be super confident and I just have my hesitation of being overconfident with this team because they've let us down before. However, I have to keep reminding myself that this is a new Raptor squad. It's a completely new identity. Um, and something that I think we're still getting used to, I don't know that it's solidified in my mind that you know this team of Gasol, Ibaka, Kyle, Danny, Kawhi, even Pascal, like all that main core six right there, or you can throw Fred in to make it seven. That main core group, um, I haven't, and again, this isn't to downplay the team, I just haven't seen enough uh, of them as an entire unit to be super confident that they're going to click on all cylinders heading into the playoffs. That's fair. Like, I I kind of made note here that they've only really played three games healthy, right, all season. Mm-hmm. And that could be a little bit of a cause for concern because, like you said, like they haven't really had enough run together. And if you do go up against a well-oiled machine, I'm going to bring up the Bucks again here, like the Bucks, then it, it will be tough to kind of, if you, if you haven't been playing with these guys for whatever, 65, 70 games all together in a, in a season, it might be tough to to flip that switch when you really need it. You don't know who to turn to. You don't know where you know Danny Green's going to be at all times, and that that's the that's the cause for concern for me. But outside of that, like I don't know, Kawhi Leonard playing forty minutes a night is terrifying for anybody but the Raptors to me. Are we positive that that's going to happen? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, like maybe not the first round, but. Come second round, come third round, when you're playing, you know, actual teams, like legitimate NBA basketball teams, they'll play him 38, 40 minutes. He's done it a couple times this year, and it's fun to watch. But I think until we have to play a good team, like, you know, the second round when we have to face up against whether it's Boston or uh, who's Boston playing in the first round? Doesn't matter. I think the Pacers, Pacers, yeah. Yeah, or Philadelphia. However, the standings match out uh i think that he's gonna play you know his average 33 and then we play that boston team in the second round or the or the philly team in the second round and he's gonna jump up to 38 40 and that's gonna that's terrifying ben simmons is shaking in his boots just thinking about that this is the overtime podcast network all right well let's let's just start there we'll 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 start the show um with the topic of the playoff seating uh, this is interesting because it's constantly shifting. Um, like I said, the Raptors are solidified more or less at the two seed. I don't think that they're they're leaving that at all. And I think uh, most Raptors fans, even though they want to think that, you know, maybe uh, maybe they have a chance, they kind of don't. Given that they have to, what are they three and a half? I said behind the Bucks. Um, Bucks own the tiebreaker. It's it's not going to happen. Um, but let's look at the the seating right now. So right now the Raptors are slated to uh, to face the Nets round one. Um, 
I know that the narrative out there is that D'Angelo Russell is leading this Nets team into new heights. We're going to talk about D'Lo later on, but um, I'm not really that scared of the Nets. The Nets do push the Raptors. They play them physical. They play them tough. But I just don't see a good core group of shooters on that team that can outscore the Raptors. I think the Raptors would win that maybe in five at at the most. Uh, am I underplaying the Nets right now, or do you think that's fair? No, that's a hundred percent fair. They're just over five hundred. They might finish the season under five hundred. Like they're literally one game over five hundred. Right. The, they don't scare me at all. Like you said, they don't really have that core group of scores which is very true, but we saw in a couple games against the Raptors that their three-point shooting sometimes does get hot, and just like any team, if your three-point shooting gets hot and your opponent doesn't have their three-point shooting on, which was kind of the case for the Raptors early in the season, then they might be able to push this Raptors team a little bit harder than I think a lot of people are going to expect. The The physicality that you were just talking about is a big is a big problem, and I say problem very lightly here because it's not that big of a problem, but I think it'll wear down the Raptors a little bit. But in a five-game series, you're going to have a lot of rest going into that next series in the second round, and it, I don't think it'll be—I don't think it'll be that bad. Five games sounds about right to me. Do you think that? All right, so the, that would make the uh, the Bucks face Miami round one. Uh, I don't think Miami has that same type of magic to push the Bucks past five games, maybe five games at the most with them. Uh, I can see a Bucks sweep there, and I think that would benefit them. Um, although the Heat have won a single game against the Bucks in their respective series, I can see the Bucks just kind of steamrolling that series. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think pretty much every first-round matchup, uh, maybe except for 4-5 in Boston and Indiana, will pretty much be five games six at the very very most like i'd be shocked if uh either milwaukee toronto or philly go to a sixth game and even that boston indiana series i don't know if it goes past five wow but yeah yeah so you're super confident that the celtics can take that no problem i mean yeah the pacers have been playing really well without oladipo but it I still think, like I said, with the like how confident I am with Toronto, that the Pacers don't have that star guy to really go to at if there is close games at the end of games to either lock up someone else's best guy or have have him score, go on a run. And yeah, their team play is fantastic, but I think I think it it's it's a big difference come playoff time when you do need a star, you need a bucket. The defense is much better in the playoffs. People are trying a lot harder. I think I think Pacers fans are probably going to be a little bit upset by their results this this postseason. I mean, if they finished the five seed, they should be happy with that without Oladipo. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I do think that right now they're uh, they're riding very high yeah. with this team, and they might have expectations that are surpassing what's actually going to happen. Do you see a scenario in which the the Raptors? Do you, all right, put it this way: How likely is it in your mind that the Raptors are going to face the Nets game one? Because between the Piston Nets and Heat, there's only a half game, respectively, in between the three of them. Uh yeah. Um, Brooklyn does have a pretty tough schedule, and they've had a pretty tough schedule schedule as of late, but they have been playing pretty well. 
Uh, Miami's been hot. Detroit's been okay in their last 10. Brooklyn's been okay in their last 10. And I think Orlando might sneak up into that into that eight spot somewhere. And whether that takes out Miami or Brooklyn, I'm not sure. But it's it's so tough to say. Like literally half a game separates six from seven, half a game separates seven from eight. So I think it's going to flip-flop probably, you know, three or four more times pretty yeah. much after every single game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Orlando kind of shimmies their way into that eight seed. Yeah, and there's also a half game between eight and nine. So yeah. there's there's reason to be there's reason to to plan for all three, right? It could be certainly possible that the Raptors could face or all four, they could face one of the Pistons Nets Heat in Magic. And it's not a foregone conclusion that they're gonna face the Nets right now, even though they're the seventh seed. Um I think of those four the team I want to avoid the most are the Pistons because, look, I don't think that the Raptors couldn't take them. I just get worried about the physicality, and I don't know. I mentioned this on the previous show. I don't know that the intangible aspect of Dwayne Casey, you know, tugging on Nick Nurse's ear a little bit is going to factor in, right? I think there is an aspect of that that might just be sort of a mindfuck for this team, and I don't know that, coupled with the physicality, that they're an ideal first-round matchup. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that went to seven. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. Detroit's style of play, like you said with Brooklyn, like they are a tough team. Um, they're, you know, they're, I, they're big two guys in Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. They don't scare me. Like Blake Griffin obviously could have a big game or two, Andre Drummond will get 20 rebounds almost every game probably because our rebounding is not fantastic. Right. But I, outside of that, I'm like, the team isn't very uh, good. If I'm just going to be blunt about it, they're not very good outside of those two guys. And even then that's not a very good top two in comparison to these other teams in the, in the top of the East, but you're right. Like the, the whole like kind of mind fuck situation with Dwayne Casey is very there. And I think it'll probably play a bit of a role in, in that series. And I I'm probably with you with them being the team that I don't want to face the most. I think that right now we're just either prolonging the inevitable or we should just rip the bandaid right away because I think there's a good chance that we're going to see them. If not round one, we'll see them round two. So I'd rather just get them out of the way round one and just finish the the rest of the playoffs with the bumps and bruises from Detroit. Because I do feel that the, the remaining teams are a lot less physical. For me, on paper, the Pistons are the most physical and aggressive team of the eight heading into the playoffs. I know Boston has this reputation of being tough, but they're really not. They're kind of soft this year. Um, me being in the region, you see the highlights, you see the games, you see, you hear Boston fans who are the most, you know, flip floppy fans in the entire NBA <laughs> talk about how soft this team is. They're not the same. Um, I'm not worried about the 76ers, as you mentioned, because once we, uh, have Kawhi take out Simmons, it's pretty much a five on four fest. So I'm not worried about them at all. So when it comes to the Pistons, I'd rather face them round one compared to any other team just to get it out of the way just to get that monkey off the back, just to get the whole Dwayne Casey factor out of the way. I'd rather have that be an issue round one than round two. Yeah, and I think I think it would be cool to see Dwayne Casey against the Raptors in a playoff series. Be very poetic uh, kind of thing. Uh, you know, end of game five, him going off the court and uh, 
in in Detroit, probably gonna hop on that uh, Toronto party bus, come back to <laughs> Toronto and and have fun with the fans. That would be uh, that would be an ideal scenario for me. Is he bringing the rock or no? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> he has that with him at all times. Yeah, has I, to. I would assume. He yeah. has to. Um. So having said that, so you're thinking that as it stands right now, Raptors beat the the Nets, no problem. Bucks beat the Heat. Celtics beat the Pacers. Are you saying uh, Pistons? Who are they? Sorry, Pistons beat 76ers, or do you think 76ers take that? 76ers take that. Sure. All right. Yeah. So that would mean the Raptors face Philly and the Bucks face Boston. You're confident that the uh, Raptors can face Philly, no problem. Maybe that's a six game series. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that the Bucks can beat the Celtics and go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, now that is kind of where I'm a little bit on edge here because I'm not positive that the Bucks can beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. Giannis hasn't even gone out of the first round ever in his career. Right. And I'm not saying that he can't do it, but with the team's injuries, they're going to have to be bringing some guys back in. A lot of their, their injuries are out for the first round. And they'll probably be coming back in either late first round, depending on how long their series goes, either late first round or into that second round at some point. And Boston, uh, although they haven't been playing great basketball as of late, they have had stretches of, of games where they have played phenomenally. And I think that gets lost in their whole Kyrie Irving kind of BS that's going around this team. This team can be very good, and I think the key to their success is going to be Gordon Hayward. And I don't know if he's going to be fully healthy, and it doesn't look like he is, and it doesn't look like he's going to be playing at 100% of what he was in Utah that final year. But I'm more concerned about Milwaukee losing that series than Boston like winning it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. I, you're more confident that the Bucks would lose that yeah. than Celtics. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm not sure about that series. I think that will be probably the more entertaining series. And like, if you're taking a broad step back and you're just looking at the games as an NBA fan, not a Raptors fan, I think that'll be a very entertaining series. Um, Kyrie going up against uh, Bledsoe would be fun, and and Giannis kind of dominating the the Celtics would be very fun, and. They're two talented teams, right? Like Boston has a lot of talent and Giannis is the best player in the league probably this year. So I think that's a fun series. I'm not confident that the Bucs can win, but if the Celtics are not clicking and if they have a tough first round series against the Pacers, then there might be some issues there in the locker room and we see how they play when the issues are kind of thrown out there in the media and are like kind of front page news. Right. Right. That echoes what I was talking about with all these fans like being wish-washy with this team. The thing is, though, is that we talk about the Raptors having this new identity, right? I mentioned it at the jump of the show, and this is how it pales in comparison to last year and this feeling, even though there's a slight hint of trepidation. Talk about the Raptors, how they have a new identity, pretty much an entire new squad. Um, this isn't the, the We the North era Raptors anymore. This is a new team entirely. New coach, everything. New style of play, everything. That's sort of true about the Bucks, 
right? It's still a new coach with them. Um, a lot of the lineup does look similar, but they're playing differently. And it strikes me as odd that we're we're lending this sort of support to the Raptors as a reason to be confident in them. But with the Bucks, and I don't, I'm guilty of it too. We're saying, oh, well, they haven't gotten out of the first round. They haven't proved it in the playoffs yet. That sounds like a very familiar narrative that has surrounded the Raptors throughout the entire existence of them in the playoffs. So why is it different than the Bucs? Well, we have a finals MVP, and I think that's the biggest difference. And everything you said there was spot on, but the biggest difference is that Kawhi Leonard beat LeBron James in like one of the most dramatic fashions I've seen in, in a basketball series. Like they, those two series of the heat against the Spurs in the finals were some of the best basketball ever. And Kawhi Leonard, won that series for the Spurs. And that's weird to say because they had Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Parker on that right, team, but right. that was Kawhi Leonard's win. And he literally beat the best player in basketball at his like very peak. And that's the difference. Like it's if Kawhi Leonard is a hundred percent, we have a finals MVP on our team and Danny Green, who has also won uh won a final. So it's that's where I draw the line and that's why the Raptors are just that much further ahead in terms of all the stuff that you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I do think that, you know, I'm trying to escape my Raptors bias here because it's there as much as I try to be objective about things. I do have that little slight hint or a little season of Raptors bias. So when it comes to the Raptors and Kawhi Leonard, I don't think that we've seen it yet as good as he has been. All year, and you see these flashes of just greatness, pure greatness on the on the floor. I don't know that we've seen the best of him yet, and I don't. I'm not familiar with that, right? Because when we talk about teams of the Raptors of previous years, the the play of Demar and Kyle, or to a certain extent, uh, Jonas Valanciunas as well, they've ostensibly taken a step back in the playoffs, right? And I know, like, the the whole Kyle Lowry's garbage in the playoffs, that's a narrative that I think is a little bit uh, embellished, I guess you could say, because he's not that bad in the playoffs. He's not great, but he's not that bad. We haven't had a player that has stepped up to the extent that we expect Kawhi to step up. So I think that this new identity with the Raptors, you're right, it centers around Kawhi, because I don't think we've seen him even try 100%. And that's not to say that he's being lazy. He's not. But I think he realizes that all this, he said it, these are practice games. All this in the regular season needs to be sort of saved for the playoffs when it matters. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing with this team, right? Like the playoffs. And we've said that all along. We knew that they were going to be a, you know, whether depending on how the the standings laid out, we thought they were going to be in that top four regardless. And that's exactly how it played out. They, I think they're better than I expected. I thought they were going to have a bit of a bumpy patch at the beginning of the season just because the new coach, the new the new superstar player and whatnot. But they started off strong, and they've continued to play very good brand of basketball. And it's always been about the playoffs. We've never said, oh, yeah, let's win 65 games. Let's win 67 games, like a lot of people, right. uh, Bill Simmons was saying about the Celtics, right? <laughs> and that's where I'm very happy with this team right i don't care especially these last few games like i don't care bring up the raptors 905 team and just play them have chris boucher put up triple doubles every single night 
against these bum-ass teams that we're going to be playing in the last seven games. It doesn't matter, and we could have done that all season. As long as they're in that top four, top three, and I've always said it, as long as they have home court advantage when playing the Celtics at any point, as long as they're ahead of the Celtics and the standings, that's probably going to be the biggest part about this season. I think I think the Raptors understand, Nick Nurse understands, management understands that this regular season doesn't matter, and that's why Kawhi is okay to come out and say, yeah, this is this is practice for me. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna really turn it on in the playoffs. So you have a Celtics Raptors Eastern Conference Finals, and I think this is the benefit of having home court advantage for the Raptors because in a series against the Celtics, I'm much more confident that the Raptors can win that with home court advantage than a series against the Bucks lacking home court advantage. Because as loud as the Boston crowd is. And they're pretty aggressive. Milwaukee's crowd is very underrated. And uh, two years ago when they faced the Bucks, you know, that team with PJ, um, that crowd was loud. And they were mean, man. Like, And I don't mean to say that as if like I'm shaking in my boots against Milwaukee. But it's intimidating, man. It's intimidating walking into an arena, hearing this crowd just shit all over you. And something as minuscule and, you know, on paper, it, it, pretty innocuous as playing the Barney theme to, intro, <laughs> uh, to introduce the Raptors. We scoff at that, but I'm sure there's an element of that that fucks with the players just a little bit. And Milwaukee has perfected that. Yeah, I'm I'm not underrating the the Bucks home court either. I think anywhere in the playoffs is going to be tough to play in if it's not your home court. I think that's just that's true with the state of the NBA right now. There are so many fans everywhere that if your team's in the playoffs, you're probably going to be a rowdy fan, right? Like you are going to be having a great time. You're going to be yelling at anybody who is not in your team's jersey. But I do think that the Boston kind of mentality is a lot different because it's a lot more historic you're going to have guys like Bill Russell sitting on the sideline for some of these games, especially if it's an Eastern Conference Finals, right? And that's where it will kind of probably be more of a mental game and have to to put yourself into a different state of mind than against the Bucs. Like, chances are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not going to be sitting courtside at, at the Bucs right. arena, right? Bill Russell will probably be sitting there at some point during the series against the Raptors if they play. He's, he's going to be sitting there at some point. Somehow, whatever game, game four, game three, whatever it is, he'll be sitting there. And I think that's where it's going to be a little tougher. It's like, oh shit, Bill Russell, Bill Russell's here. He's, you know, maybe I'm going to do something cool for him. Maybe I'm going to see that, show him that I'm, I'm sick at basketball. And that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, it's, I think the, the mental game there is a little tougher than, than in Milwaukee. They've also beat Milwaukee in the playoffs before. And that, I think that plays into it as well. I could see that. And if it's not Russell, it's going to be Paul Pierce, which fine, bring it on. That's that's. Yeah, oh yeah, please, please, please. <laughs> All right. So you have the Raptors taking uh, the Celtics, I assume, and heading to the finals, if I'm reading you correctly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. And I feel like I, I feel so stupid doing this because if they do lose, I'm going to be totally heartbroken. If they get anywhere but the finals, I'm going to be totally heartbroken because I've been saying this for so long. Right. And it's just going to be, yeah, it's going to be hard to deal with. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right. So we we need to talk about Norman Powell. Um, I've been trying to avoid talking about him at length all year because 
if you want to dip into the archives of this show last year, it was nothing but hate towards Norman Powell. Um, and I think there's a world of distinction between last year's Norman Powell and this year's. Um, perhaps the fact that he hasn't suffered any egregious injuries that has affected his mobility or that he's not trying to prove his worth from that contract extension is what's leading to a noticeable improvement in his play. Um, so much so, check this out. In 55 games this year, Norman has averaged, what is it, eight and a half points per game. That's exactly three more points on average compared to last year. Shooting 39% from three, exactly 10% better from last year. 48% from the field, 8% better than last year at just about 19 minutes a game compared to last year's 15. So he's getting more of an opportunity this year, and he seems much more relaxed. That being said, given his improvement, how do you feel about Norman Powell's resurgence, and how confident are you that he's proven himself worthy to be a main part, I'll say, of the bench rotation for the playoffs? I think it's his resurgence is more like encouraging than anything else, especially after that big contract that we, you know, relatively big contract that we signed him to. Right. Was it last off season? It was last off season. Yeah. yeah. So after last season, like you said, he, he struggled quite a bit. It seemed like his contract was like a bit of a mistake and that we were going to regret that contract in a couple years when you know some some bigger free agents were coming and and whatever but when he is on and when he's good he is definitely one of the more exciting raptors players to watch and you know he's he's explosive he's quick he has the ability to play good defense whether he does or, or not is is up to him but i do think he can help out the raptors bench in the playoffs because like we know it will get cut down to eight or nine guys. Mm-hmm. And with the way that he's been playing as of late, and I'm I'm going to assume here that he will be able to keep it up. And I, that might be a bit of a might be a bit of a tough assumption to to gauge here, but he has been good enough to run with the starters. And when he's in scenarios where he's gonna be the fourth or even fifth guy out there against, you know, whatever team we're playing he will be more open than he probably has been so far this season playing in these all bench rotations being maybe number two or number three in terms of scoring options. And if he's on the court with Kyle Lowry, Marc Gasol, uh, Kawhi Leonard, even Serge Ibaka out there, uh, Pascal Siakam, he will be four, five. If you throw Danny green out there as well, right? He will be that fourth or fifth guy. And we've seen it a lot with Danny Green. When you're not that number one scoring option and you have a guy like Kawhi Leonard and you have a guy like Sayakam and you have a guy like Lowry and all these guys, you can go down the list of Raptors players that will be ahead of Norman Powell in terms of you know scoring options when on the floor. He will be more open and hopefully he'll benefit from those wide open shots. And if he can hit his threes, I think that'll be the biggest part of this playoff run with Norman Powell is that if he can hit his threes, it's big. We know he can dunk. We know he can have all types of athleticism that a lot of players in the NBA don't have. It's just whether he hits those threes or not. Throughout his tenure with the Raptors um, and you know his playoff uh, coming of age, I guess you can say, dur- uh, during the series against Indiana, a little bit versus Miami, and then he turned the tide against Milwaukee the following year, the series that we referenced previously. Um, he remind me of like 
a mini DeMar DeRozan. Like, he had a lot of diet DeMar in his game. The only thing he really didn't have is a mid-range, as reliable as DeMar, if at all. Um, what I've noticed from him this year, and you're right, there is a lot of explosiveness. He's very aggressive. The thing that needs to be cleaned up when it comes to Norman Powell is his ability to finish at the rim. He's very, uh, I think because of his explosiveness, a lot of these little chippy layups that should go in go hard off the backboard because of his explosiveness, because he you know, amps it up to 100 instead of maybe taking it down to 85, 90, just to have that little finesse off the backboard. Um, I don't think that's a reason to deprive him from a playoff spot. I think he's earned it, given how weak the bench has been. He's been a bright spot. However, if last night was any indication, and maybe I'm reading into this a little too much, but at the and it might be because Siakam was resting and McCaw wasn't there and Kawhi wasn't there, but, you know, he was playing with the scrubs at the end of the game. Like he was, he was running with Meeks and Boucher. Like I'm not trying to disrespect them, but he was the one guy that I was just like, why is he still out there? But then I had to remind myself, who else are you going to put out there really? Cause there was no one else there. So do you think that is just sort of out of necessity last night against Chicago that who else are you going to put on the floor? Or do you think that was sort of a, a message to Norman Powell? Like, Hey, you still have a little bit more to prove. Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of a it's probably a bit of both, right? Like as you kind of said, like they did kind of need to play him uh, in terms of like not having everybody there, but also he does have a little bit to prove. As good as he has been, and and when I say as good as he's been, it like it's not that great, right? But as good as he has been, everyone needs to to prove their worth on on a team that's as good as the Raptors because when you have the expectations, we talked about this earlier in this episode, if you have the expectations of going to the finals, like a lot of Raptors fans have, you can't have three bad games here, four good games here, a bad game around here. And in most games, like realistically, Norman Powell is a minus. And even in big wins, somehow Norman Powell is a minus, right? And I think that they're trying to get him out there and, yeah, it's garbage time minutes against the Bulls because every minute is garbage time minute against the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I think it's a confidence booster as well. If you can go off at any given moment, if you're playing any sport and you, if you're playing hockey, you score three goals, you're going to be fired up no matter who it's against. I could be playing against three-year-olds. I score against three goals. I score right. three goals and I'm, I'm excited. If you're playing against the Bulls and you put up 15 points, you're shooting you know, 54%. You're going to be, you're happy. You're good. And I think that's a thing that Nick Nurse probably saw. It's like, all right, he's having a bit of a good game here. Let's keep him out there. Let's bring that confidence up. Let's bring him to that level of, of play where he thinks he's good and knows that he can do what he wants on the court. And I think, or I'm hoping at least that that's kind of what he saw. And instead of uh, the more negative look at it where it's like, yeah, Norm Powell, you're not that great. <laughs> let's just, let's let you play against the really bad team in the Bulls and, and see if you can do anything here. I think there's something to be said to boost your confidence against a bad team. I think that sometimes players need that, right? Just to sort of reestablish themselves and rediscover, oh yeah, I can do things. I can uh, reestablish my explosiveness. I do have this ability to cut and to move. Um, Whereas last year, the versatility wasn't there. And I think that's largely due to the injury. 
Um, I'm not trying to shit on him. Really, I'm not. And I know I'm being nitpicky because he has improved a great deal compared to last year. I don't want to take anything away from him. And in fact, I do think that there's this element of Norman Powell's game that is valuable in the playoffs, right? We've seen this already. We've seen this against, as I mentioned, Indiana, Miami, Milwaukee. He was a, a very big part of those victories. I think that he's proven enough to have at least some time in the playoffs, much more than, say, a Jeremy Lin. And we can jump right into Jeremy Lin, too, if you want. Um, I admit that I drank the Kool-Aid when it came to Jeremy Lin and Fred Van Vliet's absence. And I thought Lin had a genuine shot of breaking away with that backup point guard spot. I apologize for that wholeheartedly because that was small sample size. That was the, the recency bias and the shock and awe of having Jeremy Lin come to the Raptors. Um We've all been terribly wrong about something, so I'll be terribly wrong about this. Um, Thus far with the Raptors, it's not pretty. He's averaging about eight points a game, shooting 79% from the free throw line, 22% from deep, which is gross, 39% from the field. As we mentioned, given that the playoff rotations will shorten to about eight or nine, and the margin of error is so slim in the playoffs. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I think there's a good chance that Lynn will get minimal minutes, if any at all. What do you think? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, like, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, Lynn, like you mentioned, his numbers are they're not, they're not good. They're not good at all. And I don't think he ever really had a run at a playoff spot because, realistically, we kind of had our six or seven guys totally figured out there and you know the Marcus all trade kind of shifted everything around but we had six or seven confirmed guys that we knew were going to be in there and like you brought up with the Fred Van Fleet injury I think it was a good story coming in and him him coming in he played all right right when he got here you know he had he had that one good game I want to say it was against the Hawks but I could be totally wrong he had a um, really good game against Boston. It was Boston. He shut down, okay. he shut down Kyrie a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so he has he has these good games, right? And you're like, oh, shit, Van Fleet's injured. Maybe he's going to be not good when he comes back. And that was a good way to look at it if you if you wanted um, Lynn to kind of be in a playoff spot, right? Maybe Van Fleet comes back and isn't as good. But for me, the biggest thing, and I've, I've kind of said this since the beginning, was that Jeremy Lynn was kind of, he's, in terms of Fred Van Fleet's, archetype of a basketball player jeremy lynn is more of a fred van fleet slash kyle lowry than delon wright ever was right and jeremy lynn is able to play that same style of basketball that fred van fleet and uh kyle lowry play more than what delon wright is so it was more of a here now we have three options to play the same style of basketball that we want to play and whether or not jeremy lynn was ever really considered for a playoff spot I think it brought up the competition level for that second point guard spot. Or if you want to throw Van Fleet in that starting unit with Lowry and and the other guys, I'm not sure. But it's a it's more of a it's more of a competition thing. And I think it probably brought the best out of out of Fred Van Fleet because Delon Wright was never gonna take that spot from him right. just because they didn't play like Delon Wright didn't play the brand of basketball that you could tell that this Raptors team wanted to play with their guards. And Jeremy Lin at least brought that to the table and can still bring it to the table. Like I, I always said from the beginning that 
Jeremy Lin will probably win us a game at some point. And whether it already happened or whether it's going to happen in, in one of these late, uh, late regular season games, he has the ability to kind of go off and maybe go off for a, a 25 or 27 and even shut down a guy like Kyrie Irving. But I, I don't think he was ever really in that contention for a, a playoff role unless Van Fleet was like deathly horrible, realistically. Yeah, I, I think that if he was ever going to have a playoff role, it would have to be that Fred Van Vliet wasn't recovering from the injury well. And I don't discount the possibility that the signing of Jeremy Lin lit a fire under Fred's ass and was like, I'm not losing my spot to him. Because there were times with Fred, even before the injury, that he was just dribbling the air out of the ball and the playmaking just wasn't there. And I think that's the edge that Lin had over Fred, at least in the in the immediate term, when he joined the team. I saw a noticeable difference that Lynn's possessions were thorough. Um, they had a purpose. Each dribble, each drive had a purpose, whereas before that with uh, Fred Van Vliet, there wasn't really much there. It was, let me see if this works. It doesn't work. Now I'm trapped. I'll just you know dribble under the baseline. So it, it with, with Fred now, though, it seems like there's a lot more precision in this game and a lot more uh, purpose with every possession that I think was lacking previously. So if anything, maybe the addition of Jeremy Lin made him sharpen his game and be unwilling to give up his spot. And I think that a lot of athletes have that mentality, and it wouldn't shock me at all if like the front office did this in order, or partly in order, to light a fire under Fred's ass to get him in gear for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and competition never hurts anyone, right? Like all of these basketball players got to where they are because they have that competitive fire, right? There's not a single, even any professional athlete really, who doesn't have that competitive edge. Yeah, you can be friends with people, whatever. But they all have that competitive edge. If someone is gunning for my spot in the rotation, and I don't think it was really ever up for grabs, like I said, like Fred Van Fleet is a much better basketball player than Jeremy Lin, but just the thought there that maybe they brought in this new point guard because I haven't been doing my job as well as I should be. Like you said, he has gotten more precise with his game, more in tune with the Raptors offense rather than just kind of like dribbling the air out of the ball. And it, it looks good. It's, it is very encouraging for this Raptors team. And if Jeremy Lin can have, you know, a couple big minutes in, in the playoffs, even if it's just five or six minutes, every game that would be okay with me. And, and him being able to handle the ball is, is pretty is pretty good if you need to rest Kyle Lowry if he gets I don't know if he gets injured or something like that like God uh, forbid you put something it out happens universe, man. A, it's out <laughs> I know but like God God forbid something happens even if he just tweaks an ankle and needs to sit on the sideline for you know ten minutes or the rest of the third quarter whatever it might be having the ability to have a ball handler like Jeremy Lin and you don't need him to shoot right like you you literally can just have him facilitate the offense and I think that's okay that's a good enough position for him for me that like five or six minutes in the playoffs here and there, not horrible. So, you know, when in regards to Norman Powell and Jeremy Lin with the playoff rotation, I'm thinking eight. I think you're right that it's maybe nine, but I'm thinking it's more likely eight. So the starting five I'm thinking is Gasol, Siakam, Kawhi, Green, and Kyle. I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. I don't care what Nurse says about, I'm trying to still figure out what's going on with Serge Gasol. No, you made it clear. Gasol's going to start. Um, maybe if it's, 
with Philly, maybe you do want Serge there for that physicality. Um, I think Serge has that a little bit more than Gasol, but in terms of reliability, I kind of like Gasol more to facilitate the offense and for that passing factor. Um, on the bench, you'll have Fred, Serge, and I guess you would have uh, Norm at that point. Um, and OG, so we're going to say nine. I just don't see uh, Jeremy Lin being a huge part of this playoff rotation. I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree. And even OG right now with the way he's been playing this whole season, like he's probably going to get a smaller role than most people are expecting. Yeah. Like I, I would have, at the beginning of the season, I would have expected this guy to be uh, six, maybe seven man in the rotation. And now he's probably going to get the least minutes and probably the the whole, you know, eight or nine man, whatever, whatever it's going to be. All right, let's move on to the uh, most improved player debate. Um, so re- recently on the jump, T-Max said some stuff that I don't want to reiterate because it's just kind of stupid. But it's pretty much lending credence that D'Lo is the clear-cut favorite to win MIP over Siakam. Um, I think the issue here is that they base this strictly on numbers on a stat sheet rather than what passes the eye test. I don't want to discredit anything that D'Lo has done. He's been outstanding and he has improved. But I don't agree that he's made the leap that Siakam has. I wanted to get your thoughts, and we can unpack this. Um, I feel that maybe my bias, again, is bleeding into this a little bit, and Siakam is the clear-cut MIP. Um, I just wanted to get your take. Obviously, we're Raptors fans, and there's going to be a little bit of bias, but I don't like looking at just numbers. I like looking at the eye test. And if you watch Siakam from last year compared to this year, it is night and day. Yeah, to me, like... Even if you take it away last year, but like the growth from the beginning of the season to right now would probably warrant him a most improved player award in most seasons, probably including this one, right? He has gotten better. And like you said, the eye test, he's gotten faster. He's gotten stronger. He's gotten more clean handles. He's gotten better shooting, better awareness, better defense. Every part of his game has gotten better while being in an increased role like at the beginning of the season I don't know if this is true for you but it, it rings true for me that I expected Siakam to be that fun guy in the starting lineup yeah. right the exciting fast kind of you know bringing that energy to the starting lineup and now he is the to me I think he's like Obviously, like most important is probably a bit too far to to put there, but I think he's been in terms of consistency and and play, he's been the best raptor all around this season. You look at him when Kawhi Leonard's not playing, he's averaging like what, like it's like almost twenty five and ten or something. Those are superstar numbers. And I never would have even expected that. And I think you have to bring in your expectations for a guy at the beginning of the season and then look at how he's actually performed. D'Angelo Russell, you knew this was going to be his team. You knew he was going to put up those, like they're not empty stats because they are a playoff team, but those somewhat empty stats because they are only 500. Yeah, D'Lo is probably going to get some votes because of his, you know, flashy scoring. And he put up, I think, 20 points in the third quarter yesterday. And Siakam can't really do that amount of scoring, but D'Angelo Russell always could. He's playing the exact same way that he did last season. And when he was with the Lakers, but his shots are just going in and obviously making shots is an improvement. It's basketball. Making shots is the point of the game, but Siakam all around has gotten better. He's, he's transformed his game 
from being just that energy guy to being a really good basketball player and fits that kind of quote unquote three and D mold. He is a very good defensive player. He is a very good three point shooter now, especially off catch and shoot, which is extremely important in the NBA nowadays. And people are calling him Kawhi light Giannis light. And that's like you, I would have never even expected that. Like we were thinking OG was going to be the, you know, quote unquote next Kawhi. But that's turned into Pascal Siakam. And Siakam has, t- like, even the numbers, the the raw numbers are in Siakam's favor. He's gone up nine and change in points. His assist totals are up more than D'Angelo's assist totals are. His rebound numbers are up more than that. His advanced stats are up more than that. His eye test is there. Like, any way you look at it, I I don't see how you can give it to Russell. Like, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible here. But, you like, any... Generally speaking, like any way you look at the numbers, like if you're a numbers guy, if you're a raw numbers guy, it's Siakam. If you're an advanced numbers guy, it's Siakam. If you're an eye test person, I like I would like to say that it's Siakam. I mean, I've watched Siakam more than I have I've watched D'Angelo Russell. I will admit that, but it's like I I don't I like the argument, and I think it's just an argument for argument's sake. Right. But it I think it it has to be Siakam. Like Zach Lowe's been on this train for, you know the beginning of the season basically saying Siakam won MIP like uh, the first or second game. It's like, Oh my God, this guy's actually really good at basketball. I think that when it comes to Siakam, just the mere fact that he, this isn't something that was honed in his life for his entire upbringing. Right. I, I think that I don't want to say he fell into basketball by ask, accident because he didn't, but this isn't something that he's worked on his entire life. Right, this is a, a natural athlete, a naturally good, if not great, basketball player that just like sort of fell into his lap. And I, I, I hate saying that because it downplays the hard work that I'm sure he's put in. But I, I feel like you know what I, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like 100%. this isn't someone that went to like AAU all and had basketball camps all year. It's, it's not like that. It's something that is just naturally good at. And you know, when you have Guys on your team with the names Kyle Lowry, who has a pedigree in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard's pedigree doesn't even need to be, you know, touched on. Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Hall. We have these five players on this team that we look at and say, these are well-established NBA players. And when you have Pascal Siakam in that mix, and if something happens to him on this team, we're saying, oh shit, we're fucked. Right, Even with those five guys on this team, we're freaking out if something bad happens to Pascal Siakam. That says a lot about his value. That says a lot about the improvement that he's made, and that says a lot about his placement in the NBA. He's not to the level of a Kawhi Leonard. I'm not saying that. But when you have those five guys, you would think, oh, you know, we'll just put Serge in and we're fine. I don't get that feeling if something happened to Pascal. Right, but when you look at D'Angelo Russell, I can't name five guys on his team that I'm just like, eh, yeah, they're they're really good and they exceed him, right? And so to be in the conversation with these five players that exceed you in terms of pedigree in the NBA, that is humongous. And I think that alone, you know, you look at the numbers, you're right. You look at the eye test, you're right. But in terms of just the way you perceive the game and perceive the players that are on the team, I think that lends a lot of credence to the value that Pascal Siakam has, not just on his team. But in the NBA, absolutely, like you—that's spot on right there. And another thing with D'Angelo Russell is that I think that there is going to be a a 
a place for regression for him next year. And obviously the most improved player isn't the most coveted award in the NBA. And like, it's, it's getting a lot of talk because it, it's a fun debate to have, right? Who's been better. It's like last year's rookie of the year. Exactly. It's a fun yeah. debate to have, but I think there will be a regression from D'Angelo Russell, whether it's next year, or the year after in the sense that he's, like I said, he's playing the same way that he's always played, but he's just hitting his shots. As soon as, people figure it out and figure out the fact that he's just going to do a little mini floater once he gets to about 12, 15 feet from the hoop, he's done. And yeah, right. like, like he can have these scoring bursts and and that's all, that's cool, that's flashy, that's exciting to watch. But Pascal Siakam has, I and I tweet about this all the time, but Pascal Siakam has these little four, five, six minute bursts where he takes over the game. And he takes over the game, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end as well. And his energy brings up everybody else. D'Angelo Russell doesn't have that. Yeah, he has those cool, you know, ice in my veins celebrations at the end of games, which is is cool to look at. And he'll probably have more, uh, more posts on House of Highlights just because he's a little more he's a little more finished than Siakam is, and he does the he does the fancy things a little better. But all around, it's it's Siakam, and it's not even really close based on what we've talked about this whole time. I think the the point here that I wanted to make that I didn't really <laughs> iterate it quite well enough, I think this is D'Lo's ceiling. I don't think we've seen Siakam's ceiling yet. Oh, not even like not even close, but it's it's crazy to think about like that this isn't his ceiling because yeah. at the beginning of the year, like I said it before, like even at the end of last season, the beginning of the year, like I heard rumblings that oh, it was like Siakam was one of the best guys at at Wade's camp or whatever, right? Like those little yep. five on five games they have. You heard that Siakam was that dude in those games. And I, d- I didn't expect him to be this good. And and I thought his ceiling would be something like what he is right now. And maybe three or four years down the road, not right now. Right. And that's, that's the scariest part. Like no one ever thought that Siakam was going to be compared to Giannis or Kawhi or whatever he's getting compared to with the way that he's been playing as of late and that's like that's the thing like you said the perception of the game and the perception of these guys has like D'Angelo Russell's it hasn't changed for me he's just a scorer he does nothing on the defensive end and for me Siakam went from like a fun guy to one of the best players on the best team in the in the east in my eyes at least So with that said, let's move on to the two sweet moment of the week. Yeah, um, perfect. This is the moment that you pretty much thought was too fucking sweet. You stood up in your chair or wherever you were, and you were just like, God damn, that was awesome. Um, there were, again, not that much competitive plays this week. The Raptors steamrolled the Bulls, the Knicks, and the Bulls again. But if you had to choose one play or one sequence or one moment, whatever, what do you have as your two sweet moment of the week? Uh, so I kind of have two here, and I'll, sure. I'll start with the I'll start with the play. Um, it was the Kawhi Leonard at the end of the Charlotte game um, with that big kind. Well, I mean the the mid range jumper where he just kind of stood there for eight seconds uh, and then banged it on whoever was guarding him. That wasn't very exciting, but it was a clutch play, and I like seeing clutch plays. So that, and then on the other end, he comes back and makes a massive block. To which I thought was kind of putting the game out of 
out of its misery. And uh, as everybody knows, it didn't happen. But so <laughs> that, so that was my favorite uh, basketball play. Sure. And then uh, my other two sweet moment was Jack Armstrong winning his uh, third best sports analyst. Oh, that's uh, for good. The Canadian Screen Awards. I think that is, you know, that was very cool to me. I, I was I was listening to the broadcast and I had I had gone out to get like a glass of water or something. I don't know what it was, but then I came back in and they're talking about like congrats, Jack Armstrong. Like Matty D's congrats, congratulated him. I was like, what the fuck's going yeah, on? What I think did, I remember your tweet. You were like, what the yeah. hell? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Like, why are they? What happened? What is being congratulated for? Like, is it ten years? Is it something? And then I realized it's the it's his third uh, best sports analyst. And I think it's it's cool to see that the Raptors have you know that dude. He's he's I think he's the best uh, basketball broadcaster, and it's it's nice to see him getting recognized for it. So that is my uh, those are my two two sweet moments of the week that's a good one that's hard to top oh man that's good um <laughs> my, mine was from last night it was a simple play um but that the nuances were were really nice um Gasol defensive rebound outlet pass to fred van vliet one dribble alley-oop to norm um sure like it's against the bulls you can't really unpack it and be like oh that was awesome that was against the bulls <laughs> like you you should be able to do that every play it's just the precision and the uh, the confidence in someone like Norm that you might not have had the confidence as we unpacked earlier. And just the one dribble. I love one dribble plays. So good. I would like yeah. no dribble plays if possible. And they're very rare. But that one dribble play. And that shows the value of Fred Van Vliet as well. As an outlet pass to Gasol, who's just, you know, all eyes everywhere for passes. Um, I just love that moment. And uh, these are the confidence-building moments that I feel like Norman Powell needs. And it was good to see last night, even if it was against a shitty Chicago team. Yeah, and Powell gets up too. So, like, any Powell dunk is, like, is an exciting dunk. I love, like, he yeah, he gets up. He's explosive. We talked about it earlier. Yeah. His dunks are fantastic. All right, let's move on to predictions, and we'll rack, wrap it up. Um, like I said, there's not really much competition heading the Raptors' way. But the teams that I said, if you want to lump in, they're there. So we got Monday versus Orlando, Wednesday at Brooklyn, Friday at Charlotte, Sunday versus Miami. What say you? We'll start with Orlando. Uh, so Orlando, I think this one is going to be the one game they lose this week. Okay. Orlando's fighting for a playoff spot. I know the Raptors are at home and they're good at home, but the Orlando Magic are 7-3 and three in their last 10. I think they've won three straight. Um, and, I mean, they're fighting for a playoff spot. So I, the Raptors haven't, like we've said, they're they're – talent of play like their opponents this this past week have not been very good orlando's going to be playing for something and the raptors might not get up for it right away so orlando might be able to pull away early and and get this win i got the uh the raptors taking that because i'm just tired of seeing orlando beat them so. <laughs> yeah, yeah i hope yeah. you're right i hope you're right um then Wednesday at Brooklyn, I still have a W for this one. Even though I, I we've been talking about Brooklyn improving, D'Angelo Russell improving, I still have the Raptors winning this. Yeah, I think it. I do too. They'll get up for this game. It might be a potential playoff matchup. Uh, the whole D'Angelo Russell Siakam thing, they'll probably you know get up for that as well. And it, it's it's not a meaningful game, but it's kind of a meaningful game, right? Like it's kind of symbolic of a Siakam over Russell and MIP and it will be a potential playoff matchup. So I have the Raptors winning that one too. Okay. Um, Friday at Charlotte, I think the Raptors are out for blood if they're not resting anybody, which is a strong possibility. Uh, but I, I got them winning this one. I, I don't see any buzzer beaters, and I think they they know what they're facing now, and I think they uh, they tighten it up a little bit more 
and I think they win this one. Yeah, I think they're going to win at Charlotte, but I'm going to have to disagree with you about no long buzzer beater. The Raptors <laughs> are 100% going to hit a longer than 48-foot buzzer beater to win it. And I'm, oh, to win it. Yeah, okay. oh yeah, yeah, I guarantee it. The Raptors are winning it on a 48-foot buzzer beater. All right. For sure. All right. Uh, and then Sunday, it's an afternoon game. I think it's a 12 o'clock game. So that is why I have this one as a loss. Miami is fighting for a playoff spot as well. They are, as we mentioned at the jump of the show, eight seed is not secured in their hands. I think they come out swinging. It's a midday game. Those are a motherfucker. I'm going a loss against Miami. Just for, you know, being conservative about it. I think they're going to win against Miami. Um, they're going to be fired up about that very long buzzer beater against Charlotte. They're going to be they're going to be really happy. Uh, it's going to be the last time they're playing against Dwayne Wade. Everyone's going to try to show out, and uh, Navbatia is going to give or do I kind of ruined there? But Dwayne Wade is going to give his jersey to Navbatia, the Raptors super fan. That'd and, be awesome. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. It's got to. Well, I mean, Delon's not there anymore. So. Exactly. So who yeah. who are you going to give your jersey to? I don't yeah, know. Yes, good. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. I think that. Wow, fantastic. Do you think they swap, or do you think he just gives it to him? I I've never seen uh, Nav ever take off his jersey, so right. I think I think it's going to be a it's going to be a one one way street there, unless <laughs> unless he brings another jersey, which is very That's true. Yeah, which is very possible as well. See, I think that he does, right? Because he's always matching the colors that the players wear. So he might bring all of the ones that he has in his wardrobe yeah. and picks out the one that they're ready. So maybe you're right. Maybe he does have extra. That's possible. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, thank you for hopping on. This is your opportunity to promote any and everything you have going on, where people can find you on Twitter, website, podcast, everything. Go for it, man. Floor is yours. Yeah, guys. So I'm on Twitter at uh, at take underscore six, and that is the, the Drake way of spelling six. The We're cool very, kids way. <laughs> yeah, the cool kids way. We're very hip and cool here at Take Six. Uh, and then you can find us at takesix.org. We have uh, you know, blog posts every now and then. And I actually started the, the very first uh, six takes of, uh, of all of Toronto sports. So if you're a TFC fan, a Leafs fan, a Jays fan, a Raptors fan, we're going to give the six takeaways from every single week. We're going to be posting them every Saturday night. That's kind of our big thing now. Um, outside of that, not much is going on. You can find us on uh, Anchor right now. I think we should be getting on Apple Podcasts. We've been there, but we switched to Anchor so I think it'll be on Apple Podcasts within this week. I'm hoping again, uh, same with Spotify. It just the switch over, the transition, making it uh, making it a little tougher for us to get out there on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts like we were before. But yeah, search for us there. Give us uh, give us some subscriptions, rate us, review us if we're there. If you can find us, if not, uh, that's all right too. So, Adam, thank you so much for having me, man. This is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, man, no problem. And uh, highly encourage everybody listening to the show and to uh, take a look at the website. I did uh, take a look at the six moments, and uh, I was surprised because I was I didn't know if you were going to isolate it just to one sport. So it's good that you can expand on pretty much everything going on in Toronto. So good on you, man. That's yeah, a, thank you. I appreciate it's it. It's a good source. Yeah, man, no problem. Yeah. I um, highly recommend people subscribe to the show if you can. If it's on Apple Podcasts, hopefully it is soon. If not, just go to the website. It's right there. Just don't 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 make excuses. Just go right there. But otherwise, man, uh, thank you for hopping on. We'll do this again, I'm sure. And uh, go Raptors. Yeah, go Raptors. 
Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.